reading from the book of Deuteronomy. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his degrees, decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The word of the Lord. Well, greetings, One Fellowship family and friends. Pastor Paul here, and I am so excited to share today that we are going to be having a Father's Day panel with three men I greatly respect and love. Those three men are Pastor Jim Amendolia. Can you give a wave? Uh, uh, Bill Reed, can you give a wave? And then uh, my own father, Steve Sorensen, can you give a wave? It's a joy to welcome you guys. And I'm going to be um, asking these three men different questions about their own faith journeys and their own journeys as fathers. And my hope today is through their sharing, uh, you will be able to, whoever you are, a man or a woman, child, student, whatever age or experience you're living through right now, that you'll be able to glean from their experience and it would positively impact your faith journey. So with that, let me start with a brief word of prayer and then we'll jump right in. So let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, again, welcome to these three men and to all who are watching today with our One Fellowship family. Uh, the first question is this, and I'll ask um, Bill, your first up, Bill. Congratulations. Sure. What was your home like growing up? And if you did have a father present, what was he like? Well, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a small town in Western Pennsylvania. I was the youngest of four boys. My father was a business executive with U.S. Steel. Uh, he was uh, incredibly smart, bright, uh, a strong man, uh, really caring in many ways. It was uh, during the time of uh, the late 60s and early 70s, so there was, there was a lot of social unrest and there was a lot of opportunities to stray. Gotcha. And uh, I'll turn it to you, Dad. What was your home like growing up? And uh, knowing Duda, what, how would you describe your dad, who I affectionately knew as Duda? Uh, well, I would describe my 
father in two, two halves. The first half, until I was about 11 or 12, uh, our home was kind of divided because my dad had a drinking problem. He wasn't home very much. He worked really seven days a week. And when he was home, he was kind of tough to get along with. Not abusive, but just difficult. He and my mom argued a lot. So it was my mom, my sister, and I kind of against my dad. But my dad uh, quit drinking. Uh, he really came through for me as a teenager. Taught me everything he knew about business. Helped get me into college, get me a scholarship. So he uh, he was terrific uh, in that second phase of my home, life at home. Mm. Wonderful. And Jim, how about your home life and your father? Well, with my father, um, well, I can't say it without reference to my mother. She did have a very serious drinking problem, which caused a lot of grief. But in my early years, I have no memory of my father till I'm about eight or nine years old. Uh, he was gone a lot. He, uh, during the Korean War, he was gone for three years. So I don't have a lot of memory uh, until I'm eight or nine, but in any case, it's more absenteeism because I didn't improve very much after that. Mm. Wow. Well, speaking of your own journeys, when did you guys become a Christian and, and, and you know, a follower of Jesus? What, and what led to that decision? So I'll start with you, Jim. When did you become a Christian? What led to that decision? Well, I was about uh, 27 years old, and uh, Kathy previously had been converted. Uh, we grew up Catholic. We married in the Catholic Church, but at the same time, we really didn't know the Lord. And after she got saved, I had to give in. <laughs> she put the arm on me. <laughs> I was glad she did. And uh, it's been... Uh, been a blessing ever since, but I was 27 at the time. So heavily influenced your wife's journey. And Bill, how about you? Well, I mentioned that I grew up in this small town. Well, we also went as a family to a very small uh, Episcopal church, which was heavy on, I would call tradition and liturgy. Uh, I would say that during that period of time, I really didn't know the Lord. I knew that there was a church you attended each Sunday and that was about it. But I was fortunate, um, I made the decision to go from this very small town to the engineering school at University of Michigan, which the whole school had 50,000 people. It was like a night and day kind of difference in terms of my world. Fortunately, I very quickly came across some uh, great, great individuals from the Crew Campus Ministry, uh, which is a Christian ministry that's been, gone on for many, many years. And fortunately, uh, from that early part of my time at uh, Michigan, uh, I got involved with, with crew and uh, really came to know the Lord then. I got to, I mean, it was incredible. The kind of people that, that were surrounding me that helped me with my faith walk, the Bible study that I had at Michigan. It was just a, uh, a and certainly a, the most significant moment in my faith journey was at Michigan when I got to know all those people and I met the Lord and uh, really let the Spirit lead me from there. That's great. And uh, Dad, how about you? When did you become a believer and what led to that decision? Well, well, my father wouldn't go near a church. He grew up in a fundamentalist church, Church of the Brethren. Uh, he, either you accepted Christ or you ran the other direction. He was one of the ones that ran. So we were, it was very hard for us to go to church, but we took a bus across town, across Chicago, went to my grandparents' little church, 
My grandmother was an evangelist, really. Um, she was a powerful person. And I just remember going to their home. We could watch three things on TV, Billy Graham, Merlin Perkins' Wild Kingdom, and the Cubs. I wasn't a Cubs fan, but I got to hear Billy Graham and my grandmother, and all of that persuaded me. My grandmother was an extremely powerful person. I remember going into the little guest bathroom, kneeling down, accepting Christ when I was about 11. Wow. That's, that's incredible. So it just actually shows the power of even the virtual medium back then with Billy Graham. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that interesting? So here, Pastor Jim is influenced greatly by his wife, Bill by his college friends, and then my dad by his grandmother. Uh, as you guys think of biblical stories around fatherhood uh, or scriptures, which one has meant the most to you and why? Well, I'll start off. I, I just uh, go back to Genesis 8 and Noah. I think of Noah's faith and how he was presented with the situation and had to, to do all he could to prepare, uh, build the ark, and uh, get his family, his children, to believe with him and get aboard and really uh, take on God's guidance at that point in time. Uh, that, to me, was a great show of a father with his children and leading them with his strong faith. I, I, I don't know if I've ever thought of that uh, through the lens of fatherhood, but yeah, can you imagine those conversations? All right. How about the other two, some biblical stories or scriptures around fatherhood? Well, I'll, I'll go ahead. For me, uh, the story of the prodigal son and the vision of the father standing at the head of his driveway Mm -hmm. anticipating his son coming back, the amount of amazing grace that God the Father models there, uh, something that really meant a lot to me at different times in my life. Mm -hmm. um, so extraordinary grace, and none of us can duplicate God's grace, but it's just uh, it's a model, and I love this story. Amazing. Yeah. Our Pastor Jim. I would say the same prodigal son in the role of the father going after the son. And for me as a father, I had to go after my son a few times and me it just too. stuck with me. But I, the other part of it in the Old Testament was, um, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they were not very good fathers. They showed, played favorites with their sons. And I learned that very early on, don't play favorites with the kids. It's a good word. And as you guys have, as young dads or, you know, dads of teenagers and now dads of adults, um, as you've looked to others for guidance and mentorship, who was who the biggest influence? Who was one of the bigger influences on you as a father? And what did you learn from him or her? Hmm. Well, I'm okay if I go. Yeah, you got it. Well, the guy that uh, influenced me the most was uh, a man by the name of Roy Tedrick. I worked for Roy for about two and a half years, part-time after, uh, and while I was still in high school. And I observed Roy in his relationship with his wife. They really loved each other. He talked to her every day on the phone from work. Um, he just set a good example and he handled his children much the same way. And what I did was I ended up linking the two, that if you're a good husband, you're going to be a good father. 
And you can't be a good father unless you are a good husband. And it works both ways. So I link the two together and really think that loving your wife in a godly way, taking care of her and honoring her and building her up. If you're not doing that, you're not going to be a good father because the kids are going to see it. Mm. Mm. Okay. How about Bill or Don? Sure. I'll, I'll be happy to share a, a story that uh, about my father because, as I, I mentioned, he was a very caring man. He was also very strong. Well, the story is, I remember one day uh, when I was young, maybe 10, 12 years old, he said, we're going to go on a picnic. And he, he, got, he brought, the, he, I said he worked for U.S. Steel. He actually worked for a railroad of U.S. Steel. And we, we got in the van that was a railroad vehicle, and we drove down the road, and we pulled up to a crossing where the railroad goes across. And he got on the radio in the car and said, okay, I'm ready. I think we're going we're gonna to do this now. And he pulled up the vehicle, and he turned it sideways, and, he, and, and right on top of the rails, and he then went outside and he dropped railroad wheels from the front of the van down onto the rails. And he got back in the vehicle. And he put a little clip over the steering wheel and he pressed the gas. And all of a sudden, we just started driving down the railroad tracks. And I'm thinking at my young age, what's going on here? Like, I'm, I'm of course, scared that there's going to be a train coming the other way. Well, uh, of course not, because he had been talking to the people who run all the trains and we had clearance to go down the track. And then after a while... We talked to him again, and we pulled off into a siding, railroad siding, and we had a picnic lunch, and the train went by. And my message and my learning from that was the degree of uh, caring that he showed for me and strength of managing the situation, and also just spending time. It was just a one-on-one, my dad and me, uh, and happened to be an incredible experience, but it was, was an opportunity for me to get to know him better and who he was and basically how he could he could lead me. Awesome. Yeah, I would also have to say my father uh, um, meant more to me. Um, he really gave me courage. Uh, I was a terrible student in high school. I didn't attend very often. Uh, I, I had to turn it around my junior and senior year, and I got a, a football scholarship. Uh, I was really – my dad talked him into giving me a scholarship. I wasn't really that good. But he gave me the courage to do things uh, I would have never done. I would have never gone into business by myself um, uh, had he not given me the courage to do that. So, uh, and then the other person, I have to have two. The other is my pastor in Lake Wales, Dave Rockness. seemed like every single week he spoke to my heart. When I was growing as a man, I had recommitted my life to Christ in my late 20s. And he seemed to speak to me every single week. And that was a great influence on my life. Awesome. So many different influences. You've got pastor, you've got father, you've got, you know, couple. Um, All of those can be great influences on our lives as as fathers. Um, When did you guys realize being a dad was a really big deal? Let me start with this one. The moment our son Chris was born, I was in the room. I looked him in the eye. That's Paul's older brother. And, and he looked at that moment, might have been my imagination, but he looked just like me. And, and I remember saying, holy cow. I suddenly realized how he was more important really at that moment than I was, the, the significance and the seriousness of it. So it was a blessing and it was a wake-up call. 
Nice. Well, my story is uh, that uh, back when I first got in the consulting profession, which was very young, when I came out of graduate school, right, went right into consulting and right on, on the road traveling every week to visit and uh, work with these different businesses. And so we had our two children pretty quickly. And so I was on the road for a week, week after week. I was home on the weekends. But uh, pretty quickly on, uh, it was, became very clear about how my distance and the priorities I was placing on business and all that kind of responsibility was a disconnect with my wife and our two kids. And so the, the time was, I was gone so, so much. And then I'd come back on like a Friday night and I expect to dive right into the family and like, okay, they're going on with the life and I haven't been here all week. And it was just very un unrealistic expectations that I could be a father uh, in the right kind of way without really setting it up properly. And so my wife and I talked a lot about, uh, you hear, heard a lot about balance in, in you know, work-life balance, but really that wasn't what we, what we talked about. What we talked about was boundaries and boundaries being that and this was an incredible learning uh, that when you have time with your family or you have time with your work or you have time with whatever you're doing, you focus on that solely, exclusively, and you give them the, the, your full attention. And so what it was able, enabled us was that, yes, I had to go on the road and, and do what I had to do to support uh, my family. But when I was there, I was present. And uh, so whether it was on the weekend or when I did make it to some kind of event during the week, I was, I was at the game. I was focused on them. I wasn't taking calls while I was also trying to be with my family. And that was like a first real, you know, light bulb goes on. Like, this is what being a father means. Mm -hmm. Nice. Jim, how about for you? Well, for me, it was uh, meeting my son for the first time because uh, in December 66, I was sent to Vietnam. I was gone for 13 months. Uh, but shortly after I left in March of 67, uh, our son was born. So he was 10 months old before I saw him. Now, Kathy sent me pictures. She wrote me letters, told me all about it, mm. uh, which was great. But at the same time, when I came home on the 15th of January in uh, 68 and saw him for the first time, I came in the house. He was in the playpen. I looked at him, picked him up. Mm. And that was a very significant emotional event mm. for all of us at at the time. Hmm. So looking at him, I realized he's a, this is a little boy. This is, I'm his father now hmm. present in the house. And this is going to change everything. Change everything. What, um, if you had to, well, this, this goes into this question. If, if you were to talk to a younger you, what would you say to him? Hmm. Oh, here's how I would look at it. Uh, my Christian walk through the years has been incredible. I'm just so appreciative of what that's been. Um, but there are probably points in time earlier on when I could have been more in the walk with Jesus like he wants us to do. 
And so I, I read, um, I read, just read a recent book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by a, a pastor by the name of John Mark Comer. And it talks about silence and solitude, which is basically prayer uh, and just spending time with the Lord, uh, you know, and simplicity and, and things that, that are really core spiritual disciplines that I wish I had, uh, had thought through and adopted more completely when I was a younger, younger dad and uh, interacting with my family and helping them. Because I think I would have been, you know, probably a stronger Christian and more developed and done, done more. But uh, that's what I would say to my younger self is mm. think about those spiritual disciplines and try to apply them. Mm. Yeah. I would say, um, commit your way to the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Mm. It's hard to be a Christian on the fence. If you think you can be a Christian and be on the fence, you're going to be in a lot of pain. Because the way our faith works is if you're not moving forward, you're generally going backwards. So to me, commit your way to the Lord. Don't be afraid to do that. Uh, that you're going to have to give something away. Uh, you're going to have to give up anything. Uh, commit your way. Commit yourself to the Lord. And, um, and do it. Um, in my case, I, I really didn't recommit my life to the Lord until I was in my late 20s. When I became, I was such a miserable person, <laughs> uh, but but I did, and um, and uh, that meant everything to me. Mm. Well, I would echo the words of both uh, Bill and Steve. Um, I would, uh, in talking to a young man, make sure that uh, he's got it straight about who he's married to, and making sure that their relationship is a model for children to grow up in, and for him to be a father. And I think that um, when you're trying to pass that on, you've got to be in the Word. That changes everything. And for a father, you need to memorize the book of Proverbs. Mm. There's so much wisdom in there. Mm. Good. Well, speaking hey, Paul, of that, I might, if I could, I'd just add one more thing. Jim yeah. made me think of something. Uh, a few weeks ago, before COVID, I was out on the golf course with a young uh, father, a young man that I know. And he, uh, my wife, Catherine, and I are coming up on our 40th wedding anniversary here in a few weeks. And so he said to me, what is sort of the one thing that has kept you and your wife, uh, you know, with such a long marriage and a, a wonderful marriage? And so uh, very quickly, my response was the sh shared faith is that absolutely our ability to pray together, our ability to have a walk together, that is what's made the difference. And I think that allowed us to really raise our kids in the, in the same kind of way. Mm. Well, speaking of that, for anyone um, who's been hurt by a father, um, be it a father or a, a female or child, student, anyone who's been hurt by a father, in view of the gospel, what hope can you offer to him or her? Well, Paul, I just want to say one thing first. I don't want to go through this without saying how important it is to be married to someone who pushes you forward, shares your faith. Um, it's a partnership. So it's kind of hard for me to speak about this without mentioning my wife because she's meant so much to me and my faith walk and you guys. But I just want to say to me, if I were going to give somebody uh, who's maybe not had a great relationship with their father, I would refer to 
um, the Bible, how we speak of God, the father, Abba, the father, mm-hmm. the father that will never leave you or forsake you. Never, no, never, not ever leave you or forsake you. The, um, the, you don't need to measure up. You have a loving father that's waiting for you. And, um, and uh, will p- provide everything you need, your po- whatever your portion is for every day. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. Yep. Bill, Jim, what would you say? I would echo, the same, uh, echo those same words. We do have a heavenly father who looks after us. And that, you know, Isaiah 43, you know, fear not. I have redeemed you, called you by name. You are mine. We belong to him. And, and the, uh, prodigal son parable is just so powerful with the father going after the son, even when the son goes astray. And Bill? I would just say these two gentlemen have expressed it pretty well. I mean, there's such a wonderful Holy Father who's ready for us. Mm-hmm. Just uh, open yourself up and, and pray. Mm-hmm. Just here I am. Um, I like that. You know, thinking through everything that we've heard over the last few minutes, we've heard um, some of you came from tough homes. We heard alcoholism twice. Um, and uh, Jim, I, I, I'd be remiss. I, you told a story last summer. I said, if, if you were a um, talk show host, who's the first person you'd interview? My father. You said my dad. Yeah. And you'd want to know kind of, about the relationship, the ups and downs and all that. And that really stuck with me for a year now. Mm -hmm. Um, The impact of a father is priceless. And also the grace offered by God, our father is limitless. Mm -hmm. I I love hearing how some of you had really good experiences with your dad. Others, uh, maybe not so good. Um, But how others came alongside you, the importance of the church, Reverend Rockness in my home, in my dad's home and uh, in my own faith journey, you've got Bill, your dad, take you on the train tracks. Um, Jim, you've got that couple who mentored you and Kathy for only two, two and a half years. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, and you've got the importance of a spouse that's praying for you and encouraging you. And um, I'd like to, I'd like to leave with these two things. First, as we close our time first, um, I want to say thank you to all, all three of you. You both, uh, all you both, all three of you mean the world to me. I respect you dearly and I trust you. And dad, I love you more than you'll ever, ever know. Thank you. And then the second thing I'd like to say is for those who are struggling in a marriage or in their faith journey mm. with God, I do want you to picture this prodigal God who has his, his hands and his arms open wide and who's pursuing you and saying, come to me, yeah. find love everlasting. Mm. Come now. I'm here for you. So with that, let me close with a word of prayer. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for these fathers, and I thank you that you're a good, good father. I thank you that you're, uh, you're always faithful, you're always true, you're always there when we turn to you and trust you. 
God, I pray that you would search each one of us, kids, students, adults. You'd search us. You'd know our anxious thoughts. You'd draw us back to yourself right now. you give us a fresh start. We trust you. We love you because you first loved us. Have your way. Lead the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.